were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. Space Orphan 18, and you all know my guest, or my co-host, really. She's my co-host. It's true. It is true. Not that be <laughs> Bethany, the Bethany. amazing Bethany. Um, and we're Ooh, back. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even let you introduce yourself. I'm going to just do that. Oh, um, uh, and we're back doing all the other ghosts. I know it's been a little while since we've done these, but we are committed to finishing up at least all the other ghosts. Yes. Um, we will let you know about Gray. It's going to be something different, and I think it's going to be kind of interesting the way we try to do it. Um, but we will save that for later. Um, and we are back. And to recap, um, a lot of things have happened, and a plot is finally starting to kind of get into motion. Because as we all know, Kurt is the ghost of New York, and Blaine is Phalanx, and they're fighting bad guys everywhere. And being super gay boyfriends. And uh, Blaine just got shot by Roz Washington. <laughs> it just makes me right. laugh now. <laughs> so, right. And um, so he's been out of commission for a while. But now he's going to be kind of coming back around. And the thing is, the plot in these last ten chapters... We're going to do three today. We're going to do 20, 21, and 22. Mm-hmm. But the um, plot is going to... F- really start to move forward when and i know we talked a little bit about that last time that the plot was moving forward but i i like it better when she when she's got a firm plot because some of those middle chapters are so meandering Mm -hmm. that um so i don't know how do you feel um i'm excited to get back to plot as well um 
I actually really, this is where this, it really gets interesting to me is the last couple of chapters. Um, not that it wasn't interesting before, but this is where it like gets thick and meaty and, you know, things are happening. And I remember things I had to reread, happening. I had to reread this chapter several times because so much was happening that I felt like I was missing things. Um, so I think it's a good, I'm glad we're starting out with off with 20 today. Yeah, yeah. All right, chapter 20. And then we open with Fandom, and Phalanx is back on his feet, and Fandom is all excited about it. So, of course, Fandom is just a lot of key smashes. Mm-hmm. Key smashing. Oh, I haven't had a good key smashing night in a long time. I know. I feel like, like, when's the last time? I mean, obviously, Glee's not going to f- key smash no. anything, but... Yeah, I don't key smash about things anymore. I don't know. Mm-mm. Okay. Okay, so then we kind of get into Blaine's headspace. And mm-hmm. he wants to do normal things. He wants to go on dates. He wants to have a life. Because they aren't really doing much of anything. Um, I'm trying to think if, like, does oh, Blaine-ish. I can see Blaine wanting to go out and do things. Anyway. Um... I mean, I think mm, as far as like canon goes, you mean? Yeah, canon. They're pretty content being their boring selves. Yeah, they are. I mean, maybe when they were, maybe they go through it later, but I always kind of felt like, you know, Blaine didn't want to go to that party with June Dalloway because he wanted to stay home and watch Scandal with Kurt. Oh, that's true. So, like, you know, six of this, half a dozen of another. It probably could go either way. Um, and Blaine wants to go to some clubs, even though he knows Kurt wouldn't be down for that type of thing, because reminder that Kurt in this universe is the most fragile of fragile beings. Um, (laughs) did I talk last time on the podcast about the, the research I did about Canon Kurt and fragility? No. uh -uh. Okay. So I did a thing where I went through the entire series and I pulled out how many times Kurt actually cried. Mm-hmm. And um, what I found was, first of all, he cried the most in the first two seasons. Third was a little bit some. And then by the four, um, it dwindled way down. And I think there's only uh, maybe one or two times in seasons five and six. It really is. There's no crying right. in the later two seasons. And the, but the, the context of all of those crying in the beginning is situational. It's not based on Kurt always bursting into tears. It's about, you know, his dad has a heart attack and, you know, Finn is yelling bad things at him. And, you know, he's afraid of coming out to his dad and it's stuff like that. It's not, my heart is so full about this flower on the side of the road that my, I burst into tears. I was just going to say it never was that, but whatever. Exactly what you're saying. Like, that's never what it was about. I think the one time where it was kind of that was when um, April Rhodes was singing and he cried. Like, that's, yeah, but that I was like also was... fourth wall breaking too because that was Correct. Chris. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like you know people took that moment and then just ran with it and like, yeah. oh, he's so beautiful when he cries. He cries well, everything, and he does cry a lot. I mean, in the first two seasons, there is a yeah. lot of crying. Um, 
But there also is a lot of drama happening in his life. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, yeah, there's also, as we said, he's got to come out. He's worried about losing his dad into multiple factors. His The crush that he likes doesn't like him back and is actually mean to him at certain points. He gets mm-hmm. depression. Um, and, like, it, and then other things, like the later seasons, is he broke up with his long-term boyfriend twice. Mm-hmm. That's going to make you cry. Like, that's <laughs> basically all that is. And it's, you know, every once in a while during performance, which, again, music will stir emotion. But this idea that Kurt is so fragile that, like, I know, you know, emotionally, like, is going to break down at any point is actually not true. And, in fact, a lot of it is the opposite. Um, Correct. Yeah, where he, he's... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. I think you're going to go ahead and say it. I was just going to say, yeah, I'm going to say exactly what you're saying. It's like he's trying to keep himself from getting too emotional. He's very guarded with his emotions. I can think of a couple of times where he's like holding it in because he doesn't want anybody to see what's going to happen. Exactly. So uh, kind of, and I I might have talked about this a little bit. I know that for a little bit we were talking on Tumblr about like Kurt and characterization and, you know, being female coded. And I want to reiterate, it's okay if like somebody wants to explore a feminine side of Kurt. There's nothing wrong with even Kurt presenting as female in fan fiction. That's fine. I just, my thing is that it's so far removed from the canon character that I know Mm-hmm. That I have a hard time with that. And that right. is my issue. Not necessarily that Kurt is presenting as a girl. It's just that it feels so far off from my mm-hmm. perception of the canon character that it makes it hard for me to recognize this as a clean fanfic um, and more of original fiction that we, you know, with almost a boy and a girl in Correct. the title roles. Yes. So. All right, that said, we're going back to um, Blaine thinking about clubs and how he doesn't think Kurt that think that that's Kurt's type of thing. And he's becoming jealous in his own head. Um, now, this is a little bit Blaine. I mean, if you think about Tested and how he was jealous about certain things. Um, but, yeah. oh, but he's like, Kurt's so beautiful and he doesn't even realize it. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> Kurt is the one who knows it the most. That is what cracks me up. It's like, oh no, Kurt knows how attractive he is. Oh, he does. Make no mistake. <laughs> uh, I mean, and like, there, I mean, even in Tested, when a lot of this stuff, and this was all written before Tested, by the way. Correct. Um, yeah. Kurt says something, you know, now my outside self is catching up with my inside self. So, yeah. so of a lot, he did, like, you know, a lot of the weirder clothes was to also cover up his body he wasn't as secure about it but Mm -hmm. the minute he does feel comfortable i mean he's the one that's taking off his shirt he knows that he's you know that whole like i'm gonna exercise and do push-ups in front of blaine that was like intentional correct (laughs) i mean part of it was was a result of have sex yeah Mm. Uh, i mean part of it was a a little a, a little but a lot of it was i'm showing off my body to you please come do things with me so so yeah, um, and then we get into this. Okay, this just this is just driving me crazy. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, and then Blaine has dangerous thoughts about what he'd do if to Karofsky because Karofsky made Kurt feel like he um, should be invisible to be safe. And this gets into this whole like murderous Blaine stuff um, mm-hmm. that is so out of character that. 
I like I said, I, it almost feels like an original novel at this point because these characters are so far from what I, you know, know them as. Yeah, <sighs> there comes a point in all fan fiction um, where it's and there's nothing wrong with it. It's great. I love it because I can read people, you know, my favorite characters in millions of different situations. But it's really just the faces and the names of the people that you love. It's not necessarily the characters. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wrote, maybe you should just go out dancing and not worry about such things, Blaine. <laughs> right. as <laughs> me. Um, also, uh, so when they get into it, because Blaine will eventually talk Kurt into... Um, dancing. Um, I've got the wrong fandom trope alert. They have Kurt as a graceful swan. No, uh, no. No, no. no, Kurt's gonna no. And he only has three dance moves. That is a true thing. I love the boy. He does death. them very well, but there are three of them. <laughs> um so yeah, they're out clubbing. I do shout out to Snarky because Kurt is wearing black skin tight jeans. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny because yes, that is a very Kurt thing. Kurt would wear um, very tight, dark pants to show himself off, but it only almost contradicts what this in-universe Kurt is. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yes, it does. Okay. So, um, so yeah, uh, they talk about dancing a bit, and Kurt can waltz, and it's so funny. I think that. You know, Rain Joy, she's European because they talk a lot about French dance technique. And I'm like, unless you're a dancer or from Europe, I'm pretty sure this is not a normal conversation. Well, um, I actually do. I will disagree with you a little bit. Oh, because go I for think it. She's, she's trying to show Blaine as having like this very sophisticated upbringing. And I do think uh, that he okay. probably, if, if the the, what she's trying to portray is true. I'm not saying it's not or wrong or whatever. I'm just as a what if. He probably did have cotillion waltz lessons because there are those, those things do exist and you do have to do them in polite society. That's true. That's true. Good point. I rescind my comment. Okay. <laughs> um, and then this is interesting. Um, because there's, okay, this is my, uh, this kind of like, this next thing I think represents the torn feeling I have about this entire fanfic. Because on the one hand, we get this brief moment where they're, Blaine is like looking them at them, at them in a mirror. And it's kind of this sweet and kind of like, hey, we're really beautiful together. And it's mm. a nice little moment. At the same time. Blaine is getting into this possessive, you know, he's mine type stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. It just goes back to, and I hate saying this, I almost regret regret bringing it up again, but it's a very, it's a very young way of looking at a, a very intimate relationship. You know what I mean? Yes. Like where possessiveness is what you have to, that's how you express yourself. Exactly. I also think it's a fanficy thing too, and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a lot of younger people. I don't know. I I, I don't know the ages of people that write stuff, but um, 
like I see this a lot in fan fiction where it's you know like the Twilight stuff. That's all possessive. Like you uh-huh. know this this girl, yes. she's mine, and I, I need to have her mine and everything. And and that's like well, but it even get it bleeds out into things like Fifty Shades of Grey, which is a correct like they get that's the extreme bad part of that. Exactly. Um, yeah. And um, I I get like some people like that's you know it's romantic like when you're told you know you're awful and ugly and then you know in your fanfic you can explore somebody who like is possessive over you I get mm-hmm. that like right. it's a thing we kind of write ourselves into it but at the same time when you like take a step back you're like right. you can have this beautiful moment of looking your, at yourselves in the mirror and be like wow we're really hot together and Correct. not be like I'm so glad he's mine it, Correct. It, it, so yes and you know it's it's just that young way of thinking and I hate saying that because it's not that it's incorrect or wrong yeah. it's just not as you get older you learn that that's how love is supposed to be no exactly and it's not like it, it's, on top of that it's not wrong to like kind of explore those feelings and fanfic mm-hmm. um it's just I, yeah, and maybe I'm just now that I'm older, it's kind of like eh, I'm gonna really need to read that possessive stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all right. Um, and then we get into I, I guess like so I feel like first of all, the, I wrote Kurt and his ridiculous faction, and I don't remember why I wrote that. <laughs> but anyway, um, the next I think it's oh, the ahead. pants again. Oh, the pants. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing is, in case you're wondering why I keep bringing up canon because I swore I wasn't going to do it and I just can't stop doing it um, (laughs) was the fact that it keeps throwing me out of the story like these are supposed to be Kurt and Blaine and this is a very long in-depth detailed and it because they don't feel like my characters I I just keep getting tripped up on it and um, this is another point where it just it throws me out completely so Kurt they're out dancing. Kurt's having a hard time because he's thinking of all the intention that's possibly on him. And mm-hmm. he's just doing this because Blaine seems to want to do it. Right. And this is Kurt who pulls focus intentionally. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. It's so, there's such a disconnect and you're like, I don't understand how you can get the two. Like how, how does yeah. one exist without the other? Well, and look at Kurt in the first time, which seems like this is a little bit of a, eh, a little bit of a draw too. You, you look at the first time and Kurt's on the sideline and he's kind of, but he's there's a not. Very, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, but there's a very specific reason for that. Yes. Exactly. He is kind of sulking that Sebastian is anywhere near them. But right. after he has, oh, well, plus he has to be there to talk to Krofsky. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, but um, after he, he figures out, you know, I'm going to, you know, do this. He goes out there. He knows everybody's going to yeah. watch him. And he inserts himself into the center <laughs> of what the situation that's going on. With the and, face of, you better lay off, bitch. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> lay off my man. Exactly. So, this whole idea that Kurt is too timid and too not wanting to, you know, wanting to be invisible. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the, you know, when we started talking way about their powers make sense for them. 
the ghost still does, but it, it's different. Like Kurt being invisible at the beginning of the series was he wanted people to see him, but nobody can. And mm-hmm. she only almost flips that to Kurt's um, wants to be invisible because of all the bad stuff that happened. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So, so the premise just feels, I don't know. Anyway, apparently their dan- their song is a Rihanna song for what it's worth. Sure. Just to that out there. Um, so Blaine pushes Kurt out to the dance floor and Ken Kurt's having a hard time being seen because that's what this Kurt is. And... Um, Blaine at least feels silly forever been jealous of Kurt's attractiveness. Kurt is there for him and only him. See, and I wonder if it's part of the reason um, she made Kurt so... How do I put this? That she made Kurt so unaware of his own attractiveness and unaware of, like, you know, not wanting eyes so that she could... Show Kurt being focused in on Blaine and only Blaine. Because as if Kurt wouldn't. Am I making any sense? You are, but I'm not sure if it's that so much as just having. um, Just having that role be personified in Kurt. Does that make sense? Like that's the role she wanted to write and that's the one she put in Kurt. Okay, yeah. I also, Kurt and Blaine, I mean, Kurt and Blaine are codependent and canon, um, but th- this yes. is a whole other level of um, uh, boys. Okay, anyway, so Kurt goes to get him diet, get himself a Diet Coke because, you know, Kurt only drinks Diet Coke. Um, and you drinking a mojito earlier. <laughs> uh, Blaine's a little tipsy. And, I mean, then there's a Katy Perry song playing because she does thread that in there every once in a while. Correct. And, um, this, okay, so this, this is one of the most uncomfortable things. Okay, so a guy that Kurt knew in college comes up and starts harassing Kurt, calling him a prude, basically, you know. And Kurt gives a speech about not wanting to have sex with him, doesn't make him an awful person. And it, again, this is the part where I have a trouble with the, the female coding because a woman should be saying this or someone Correct. who presents as female should be saying this because, Absolutely. I mean, yes, it probably does happen with gay men a, a little bit. I mean, to, but not to the, the stage. Like, this is a, a, a problem that women have. Like, Correct. oh, you don't want to have sex with me. You're a prude. Um, you know, you're and then he starts to and then he starts to insult him. Like it's a very man to be a woman, and it's it's a little frustrating that it's done this way. Exactly. Not to mention that Kurt already has. I mean, he already has that you know rape thing that she concocted. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, from that guy, and you know, we've already got the Karofsky stuff. We've already got all this other stuff. Does Kurt really need to have more? I mean, it's just one of the problems, even the, you know, you guys were talking, I'm going to bring this up. You guys were talking about in, when we did the LGBT issues, that one of the issues that came up with, with people were frustrated with Kurt um, was that it was always something bad happens to the gay kid. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it feels a little, not even just the gay kid, but like the feminine coded kid. Like Correct. something always bad happens to Kurt. Like he doesn't ever have anything good happen to him. And it, it's getting a little frustrating to me. Like I get that there are some people out there that their lives have had just one bad thing after another. And I'm not going to discredit mm-hmm. that. But when right. you have your, this character just have one bad thing happen to them after another, it just gets a little tiring. Correct. It's like they don't, it's like they only know how to write him if he's being, if bad things are happening to him. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, um, the, what I did say, the one really funny line is, you know, he has awful fashion sensing. That is a totally Kurt thing. And I, Mm -hmm. I like that, you know, like that is a totally Kurt thing to do. Right. So, and also Blaine comes back and throws a Coke in the guy's face, which is funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then Kurt's outside crying and being comforted by a bunch of women. And when Blaine gets out there, they, um, they think that he's the culprit again. Right. Oh, I don't know. What do you have? What, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, there's not a, there's not a person on this planet that could make Kurt cry like that. He would have, lashed right back out at him and told him that his shoes were ugly and last season, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I don't, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier though. Um, I don't know. It just, it all goes back to, it's just so, it just throws you out of the moment because it's yeah. all you can think of is like, would he really say that? Would he really react like that? I just don't see it. Well, and those women, I get the women, uh, you know, being comforting him, but the fact that they lash out immediately at Blaine. Right. And it just also unnerves you a little bit. I mean, yeah, I think that, you know, it might be an eye opener for a man to come out to see, you know, like if his girlfriend was surrounded by a bunch of other women and they didn't know that they were in a relationship and mm-hmm. they would be really protective. But again, it goes to that, you know, the female Cody and like, I wish this character was a woman so that, or, you know, someone who presents as a woman so that, um, that, that, that the, the, the female story should be told from a woman's perspective because a Correct. gay man is just going to have a different perspective. It just exactly. is. Exactly. And there's nothing <sighs> wrong with that, but they are two different, <sighs> We've, yeah. I feel like we've talked about this to death. We keep coming back to it, but it I, well, it's, it's just true. that it keeps coming up, though. I mean, like Correct. we're yeah. gonna, in the next couple of chapters. It, like I said, we, it does go a little bit more into plot, but um, when this is what her like the thing that keeps throwing me out of all the other ghosts and things I keep, you know, at the end we're gonna do this big long thing, and I'll go through things that I do like because a lot of things I do like. But at at the end of the day, she's written a lot of, you know culture you know culture analysis uh-huh. which is great i mean there's a lot of discussion points and i feel like this story as a uh you know if it was a man and a woman in a relationship and a lot of like gender study stories and a lot of you know oppressed minority things and a lot of that kind of conversation that's right. fine but as this you know superhero fanfic i kind of you know, I just want my fanfic and right. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of the stuff sometimes gets shifted, begins to get shifted into the fandom stuff, which I think is super fascinating and super meta and something you can definitely do in fanfic. But like, sometimes I just want like less of all that, but that's what it is. Like 90% of the story is all your head thoughts 
and there's not a whole lot of plot. Um, right. and I think sometimes when I like for me personally, I get so caught up in, um, how do I put this? Like when I first read it, it was so exciting because like, you know, there's superheroes and there's plot and they're falling in love and they're doing the relationshipy things and there's a fandom meta everywhere. And it's so super interesting and unique, but then it, like certain things like fanfic is not meant usually to be analyzed on this kind of level. And when you do it, this is why it yeah. falls apart. Correct. So, anyway. All right. So, um, one thing that I do think is relevant, um, and I do think is a good point. Kurt gets angry because he wasted so much time being influenced by what guys like college guy thought. And it's an interesting point that like, I think it takes a lot of time, especially for women to think about that. We mm -hmm. spend so much time trying to look a certain way and try to behave a certain way and try to like, look like these model women, because we think that we need to be present, you know, our worthy, our worthiness is our worth is um based on the desire of men which is what Correct. they originally wanted it to be and then when you realize it doesn't need to be or have to be it does feel a little like oh crap i can't believe i wasted that much time on it um right. and that is an important point and it is a good point and i'm glad it's in this you know like in the narrative it's a good thing that you know young women should be reading um mm -hmm. it just you know yeah so anyway <laughs> <sighs> no, I completely agree. It's 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 not that it's a bad thing. I'm just not like we've said before. I'm not sure this was the space for it, but it it is what it is. Right. So they go home and they just decide to, you know, dance and be quiet, you know, having a quiet dance moment to themselves, which is really sweet. Um and the softer moments are private at home. It reminds me actually at the end of end game. And I mean, spoiler alerts for Endgame, but if you've not seen it by now, I just, whatever. Um, where, where Steve and Peggy are dancing yeah. and it's quiet. That's that's what it reminds me of. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's sweet. It's, um, and then there's a flashback sequence where Kurt tells a kid that the hardest thing to do is to talk to someone about feeling alone and scared. And of course, is what metaphor for what Kurt, for Kurt and what he went through. Mm -hmm. And that is a thing. I mean, Kurt does feel, even in canon, that he he can't reach out to people because he thinks right. that he will be, you know. And that's that's it's that's a good moment. The whole thing is kind of a yeah good moment. And um, the other good thing in the Kurt development within this own story is Kurt tells Blaine that he can never go back to being alone. Um, like he was and remember we were talking about the beginning of the story when Kurt was completely isolated and barely functioning and mm -hmm. we're now to a Kurt who cannot imagine going back to a life like that Correct. which is really fascinating um, also this is just a uh, interesting note that the third chapter in a row that's mostly from Boy Blaine's point of view I have to mm -hmm. wonder if she felt more comfortable writing from Blaine's point of view for some reason why do you say that I don't know. I just, I mean, because I feel like I'm not anything. How do I put this? It's interesting that she keeps going back to Blaine's point of view over Kurt's point of view most of the time. Right. That's all. There's no, like, I don't know. I just know that I personally feel more comfortable writing from Kurt's point of view and I have a harder time writing from Blaine's. So, gotcha. yeah, I just, I wonder if, that's a, if it's a personal preference thing. 
Probably, yeah. All right. So then we get our, our bookended fandom. I, I it's almost obligatory at this because it's a it's a bookmarking <laughs> bookending thing. Um, attracts the announces that she's getting married. I do think that Rainju I knew how she was going to play out the plot at this point because everything is kind of all tied in together, which again is really kind of cool. She does seem to do threads really well, and I do think she um, everything for the most part. All of the things that she writes are purposeful. There's only one or two times in the entire thing where I'm like, okay, this just doesn't make sense. Why is this here? But for the most part, all of her threads are going to in a certain direction. And all of the things that she writes are to serve a greater purpose, which is Mm -hmm. good writing. And that. Um. So, yeah, they all get excited about the fandom gets excited about this wedding, though. I'm trying to think if there's ever been like. Somebody's personal life where, like, everybody got excited about. Um, I remember once somebody had a baby that was, that was, um, in my corner anyway. But other than that, I can't, I can't, I don't think of one thing that took over the entire fandom, no. No, I mean... It's so funny because they, you know, I get for the fandom, like fandom inspired weddings, like who wants to do like make a cake for them. And who wants, I remember with them in the office and the Jim and Pam stuff when their wedding was coming up, like people made cakes for them, Mm -hmm. um, which was kind of cute. But I don't, um, yeah, for somebody's personal life, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, your friends, I get excited for like somebody graduating or something. That's good. Right. What were you going to say? Yeah, nothing. Oh, no. I was just going to say nothing's really coming to mind. Yeah. It's sticking out in my brain about it. Not as far as personal lives go. Um, she also mentions there's a, the fashion of utility belts, which is a throwback to some one of the really early chapters when Kurt was talking about fashion utility belts. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that it now it's in, you know, it actually caught on and it is a thing. And that kind of thing I really like in her writing as well. Not to like... Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I'm always, I, I'm not bashing Rainjoy as a writer. I'm just, it it does, the, the fic doesn't work for me. So I feel like this is, I don't want to say constructive criticism. It's just critique. Right. I don't, so. Okay. All right. Moving on to chapter 21. 21. 21. Okay. So we have Curtin Blaine out and about, about and about again. Um, well, actually, I think this is a sexy scene, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, it is. and, um, they're, they're just, this is the last time, one of the last time, one of the last sex scenes that she has. No, I think there's one a little bit later, but, um, they aren't intimate too many times. I, I, I was kind of surprised. I've forgotten she had shied away. Well, the sex is purposeful and that's, that I am appreciative of that i think that yes. i mean not like if i want to read smut i'm going to get my smut and there's going to be smut in every chapter and that's purposeful <laughs> like that's the purpose right. is to have the smut but for stories like this um every once in a while you'll find what like you get really excited and then all of a sudden they just start having sex and that's what they do for the rest of the um for the rest of the fanfic and then you're like okay well that's the plot i guess i kind of you know right just, has that ever happened to you where you're like, I just kind of wish there was more plot here, but okay. Oh, yeah. All the time. Um, sometimes I will, like, skip forward. If I'm like, I don't feel like reading this right now. I'll exactly. just skip forward and get to the next plot scene. Yep, exactly. So, 
Okay, so we get into this is gonna this is the kickoff to the end, guys. Even though there's mm-hmm. some more chapters, um, we get into there's this bank heist and Sam's back and he's running around. You know, we get into the there's a lot of you know, um, the somebody's making super superheroes plot, and right. it's mostly an action sequence. And then there's this big re- revelation that in this heist. There's this really giant, huge guy, and that is Karofsky. Correct. And I don't remember very much, but a lot of the stuff in 20, chapter 20, is set up for Karofsky coming back. So that I was actually that, literally just going to say that. Like, 20 is a setup for 21 in a lot of ways. Right, exactly. Um, all of that stuff about the guy from college, you know, and how he doesn't mean anything, and how I can't believe I wasted all my life on doing this to, or mm-hmm. being upset about this is all set up for the cross coming back for this. Right. So, I mean, in that in that sense, I, like, yeah, she's a very good plotter. She does very well with the structure of her writing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Kurt, yeah, he's in this fight and he becomes unfocused because, bam, there's Karofsky, this nightmare creature that he has, you know, worried about for all of these years. And I can understand, right. I mean, it's like, has have you ever ha- watched a movie when you were a kid and you're like, oh my God, that movie scared the Jesus out of me as a kid. <laughs> and you yeah. go back to an, when you're an adult and you watch it and as an adult and you're like, this is not a scary movie. Like, oh my gosh, yes. And for me, you're going to make so much fun of me. It's Hocus Pocus. That no, that makes the sense. pants off me when I was a kid. Like, literally, I, it scared the shit out of me. And then I watched it as an adult, and I'm like, why? It's so dumb. Like, it's great. I love it. But it's not scary. No, exactly. Well, Ghostbusters was like that for me. Really? It was scary. Like, oh, yeah. Like, the some of the um, imagery. Um mm especially in, towards the end of the film it was scary but the, like you know when they're like the tout in the, the apartment building and there's lightning and like they look they're possessed and that the, and yes. you know she's sitting on the chair before like Sigourney Weaver when she's sitting in the chair like talking to her mom and like the creature pops out of the chair that was terrifying yeah. as a kid and I, I mean yeah, I was like I made, four or five I wasn't like <laughs> 12 I was like a little I made kid my mom I made my mom or my dad pull my covers back for me every night before I went to bed for years because I was scared there was someone in my bed yeah that scene where <laughs> where uh Sarah Jessica Parker's character is like in the little girl's bed Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't handle it. I made them do it for me for years. Yeah. So that's kind of what this becomes is mm-hmm. that this Karofsky became this nightmare. Um, and the more you kind of, the more your memory fades on a thing, the more like you just remember the feeling of it and less mm-hmm. of what actually happened. Correct. So, so um, Blaine, it, I think, I think this is mostly from Blaine's point of view. Um, recognizes the name of Karofsky and he watches as Kurt is being like literally flung out of the way. Like Karofsky just like knocks him out. And of course we get Blaine going to anger, which anyway, um, and goes to attack Karofsky, but Karofsky is pretty, you know, um, can handle himself. And Kurt's pretty banged up when he comes to his senses. Um, he let's see he can confront Krofsky incredibly angry that after everything that happened this is the life that Krofsky chose 
And mm-hmm. Blaine is being angry inside and ready to take Krafsky down. Um, and it's more violent anger, which again, mm-hmm. I feel like it's flipped. I think Kurt is more violently anger, yes. angry. Um, Kurt being angry and a rage. That will, I, so there's this like flip that gets switched with Kurt mm-hmm. where he realizes that Karofsky, you know, all this stuff happened and Karofsky is just, you know, wasting his life away and even getting, um, you know, these superpowers, all he's doing is wasting his life. And Mm -hmm. Kurt comes to this realization that he was wasting his life being scared of Karofsky because he didn't need to be because Karofsky is not nothing but a scared little boy. And he haunts Karofsky so that Karofsky can understand the deep fear that he put Kurt through. Correct. And this makes me think that this is a this is a version of Kurt that not only didn't have Blaine and never been kissed, but didn't fight back and never been kissed. So you have mm-hmm. I'm all I'm thinking is that because this is what Kurt says even when he stands up to him and never been kissed. Even though he be, he continues to be scared of Karofsky. He's like, he's just like, you're nothing but a scared little boy who's, you know, um, what's the line? It's so bad that I've forgotten this. Oh, um, man. That is so scared of being, you know, just, oh, God. He's going to rake me over the How ordinary that he is. And yeah. Exactly. Like, I can't remember exactly either. Oh, my God. I just, I'm going to lose my, my credit, my cred, my street cred for being. <laughs> Your street cred. Uh, my street cred from knowing everything. Um, and um, Kurt fights back in that scene. And I'm guessing in this universe, because I know we went through the history a little bit, but this is a Kurt that probably didn't fight back. Right. Until just now, because I feel like all the stuff that kind of bubbles up in Never Been Kissed is here, too, where Kurt and a little bit, like, as Kurt. Oh, I was just going to say, or only fought back as the ghost. Exactly. He didn't fight back as himself. He had to put on the mask to fight back. That's true. I'm also thinking of um, that scene in Prom Queen. Where he, oh, where Kurt yeah. kind of also like takes it in. He's like, Krofsky's just this scared little boy. Like you mm-hmm. just, I am so much of a better person and in a better place. And so I see the arc is actually a lot similar to Canon that they're, mm-hmm. she was trying to do where, you know, at the beginning, you know, in the beginning of Canon or at the beginning of the Blaine stuff in Canon, you know, and, um, depressed and and just going through a hard time and then he Mm. meets blaine but it's also himself he kind of pulls himself through all of this stuff and by the time we get to prom queen where he's able to like you know i'm me and i'm my identity and you guys have to just deal with it um sorry um (laughs) then he's able to look at krofsky and go you're nothing to me Right, you know, you mean nothing, and I he, and that's where he also can get to some forgiveness. Well, that is where Kurt is here, and yeah, and he wants, but you know, he still haunts Krofsky, so you can. I like that. I like that moment though, that where he says, um, "I want you to feel the deep fear that I was put through," and Correct. how Krofsky is just like a sniveling mess of like just patheticness. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we kind of get into um, the fact that Kurt is so banged up and so uh-huh. 
They argue about going to the hospital, which Kurt desperately needs a hospital, but um, does they don't want to, he doesn't want to, and so they have to get um, this. I, I like this part of the chapter because it's so tense in that what are they going to do? Yeah, because Krosky yeah, can't, sure. or sorry, not Krosky, um, Kurt can't move. He's so injured and Blaine is now it just turns to Blaine and what is Blaine going to do and what are his options and he's kind of losing his mind and this is this is great this is great writing like this stuff like I can't praise her enough because it's so tense and so how are you going to get out of it correct and yes it's, it's it's very like I said I had to read it several times because I kept feeling like I was missing points and yeah i mean um, i could have used a good editor to like and i don't say that as in a bad well, way no, like i mean yeah. i say that as my myself because i am a skimmer i'll like skim and i don't realize that i'm doing it but i'm trying to get somewhere faster mm-hmm. and then i have to go back and reread stuff but that, that's what i mean like i had to reread it several times because it was like oh, what's gonna happen next what's gonna happen next what's gonna happen next you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So, like, Blaine can't carry Kurt. He doesn't have the other... He considers calling the other superheroes, um, mm-hmm. like Artie and whatnot, and he can't do that. Um, he can't... Excuse me. Sorry. Gosh, I'm really gassy today. I'm sorry. Um, he doesn't know Mike and Tina's number. He can't call Finn. He doesn't have internet access. And he's just like, what the frick am I going to do? I mean, he must eventually right. get internet access because he does do something. but. Um, yeah, and it's just this, like, holy crap, what are you going to do? Um, right. And then we cut to fandom, and um, she is out in her car, and, and and it's kind of this moment. It's interesting, she has a car in Manhattan, but um, uh, she's, like, freaking out if she's whether she wants to do this or not, and you're kind of like, what is going on? And it flashes back to the fact that the big-name fans have all gotten anonymous messages um, mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, basically the fan lines needing help right. and everybody else is like, no, this is dumb. We're not going to do this, which is a smart thing. This is a smart thing that they did. Correct. Like, yeah. It's, it's, if you get a non messages, it could be from anybody and you don't know. And I mean, Jaraxi's curiosity is going to take over and I get that cause I would kind of be curious too but Mm -hmm. it is it's kind of like those robo calls like you know you get a call and it's like i just got one yesterday your social security has been compromised give us a call and it's like oh my god but no that's how they scam you like like i looked up the number and this number was like known for you know Mm -hmm. scamming the elderly these elderly people don't know better so they um they call and they give them all their information and they get ripped off twenty thousand dollars Right. So I can't tell you, like, working in the job that I work, how many times people get scammed by that kind of stuff. It happens all the time. And it's a fear, like, it's a fear thing. Like, you're going to, you know, you have to go, you're going to go to jail if you do not call us back. And Or you're going to um, lose your social security. That's what yeah. it really is. Oh, my goodness. So, so, yeah. So I can understand why they're like, don't do this. But Draxi is curious. Um, and so she, she goes out there and she does find phalanx in an alleyway. So she must, he must've, I maybe I've written that wrong. Cause, oh, I did read that wrong. He does have the internet. That's, I'm sorry. In that yes. last, yeah, he does have the internet. Um, and, um, so she picks them up like Blaine and Kurt 
um, as Ghost and Phalanx, and she takes him in their car in the back seat, and she doesn't ask questions because he's like, "I'm not going to answer anything. Just please get me to a place." And um, it's all her point of view on this, mm-hmm. which is really fascinating. Um, it's mostly, you know, silence and it's, and Phalanx says it's not, you know, it's for her safety that she doesn't know anything, which is a good point. Like she doesn't, she, if she knows who they are, that puts herself in danger. Um, and you're actually having the realization that they understand the fan, that they understand that fandom is real, which is really funny because she's like, oh God, the porn. Um, (laughs) right. But also, it's it's an interesting point, and it's something that I think people who have idols, and especially younger people, don't really realize. Sometimes, when you meet a person, they become real. Like mm-hmm. Brad Pitt seems like Brad Pitt. Oh my god! But when you, you, I'm sure if you meet Brad Pitt, he stops becoming a list, you know, superstar Brad Pitt. He becomes just Brad. You right. know, um, they become people. I know that when I met Chris. Um, it was like, it was even like, it wasn't even like a huge shocking thing, but it was just like, yeah, he is just another person. Right. Like these people stop becoming the, whatever you've made them out to be. And they be, you know, they're these real people. Right. And, um, she realizes how young they are, which mm-hmm. she didn't realize. She probably was, you know, that's a, an interesting thing. Like she probably thought of them as maybe in their thirties or something. Right. And when you look at like a 22 year old, you're like, Holy shit. Like 22 is not, it's like, wow, they're so babies. Um, and, um, she, she talks, she thinks about a lot of things. She thinks about her friends and fandom and how they wouldn't be friends if they were in fandom. I mean, like, look at us with all of, you know, you guys and we wouldn't be friends if we didn't have the show to like glom on to. That's true. It's really Um, true actually. mm -hmm. Oh gosh. I don't want to get up and get my book. I don't know what was on page 394, but it's more into Kurt and Blaine is fully realized people. Um, Right. Uh. Draxy claims that Phalanx can trust her and Blaine has a strange sense of deja vu because at the beginning of the book, Blaine was saying that to Kurt. Um, and then uh, Draxy trying to say thank you um, that that she appreciates them and what right. they do. And yeah, they get out. She takes them to... Uh, uh, Blaine, okay, so they find, I think he's near Mike, Mike and Tina's, right? Yeah, it's Mike and Tina's, but I was just trying to remember what I was writing about, um, where I say it's um, Blaine, thanks her, and gets out and says congratulations um, about the wedding, because she does know who he is. Oh, that's why, because he, Blaine actually knows who Draxy is, and Draxy's stunned, because if she, if he knew about her getting married, he definitely knows about the porn. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is hilarious. But it's also it important, really like, funny. Exactly when, um, remember when Chris um, won the People's Choice Award one of the years, and he's like, thank you for drawing abs on me in right. fan fiction? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it's stuff like that. It's like, they do see it. They don't, they're not immersed in it like we are, but they're aware. Um, I know that on, like, the Graham Norton show, he does this a lot. He'll take, like, um... Like, I know, like, there was one time Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman were on, and he would, mm-hmm. he showed them all of the Sherlock fan art. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. 
I'm glad I was that not. That seems a little those. rude. Well, I think they asked for permission to do that oh, before okay. they just pulled it off the internet. But still, um, yeah, it's a weird moment when it's like you're a little outside of the fandom and you're like, oh, goodness. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then Blaine arriving at Mike and Tina's and Mike's and Mike is freaking out because he thinks it's like it's like Kurt's too damaged. I can't help him. Right. And um, they basically dressed him up in normal clothes and say that it was a hit and run. Um, and Kurt goes completely unconscious as they mm-hmm. um, and then they have to take off his mask, which I feel like is symbolic because it's now Kurt. Has, now this is this is I can't because I can't remember. In this universe, does he know him from school? Does uh, he know Mike from school or no? Him? No, this is so. Um, so they've never seen him without his mouth. Right, exactly. This is um he he saved Tina's life. Right. Curtis. Yes, okay, yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what Ash, there's an interlude called Ash that's coming up. I think that's what that is about. Actually. I can't oh, remember. Sure. But anyway, um, and then, yeah, it's, this is the first time that like Kurt is going to start having more people in his world and the ghosts and the good Kurt are going to be more of the same person and less of the mm-hmm. very distinct personalities. So, yeah. And that's 21, yeah. which is 21's, a, 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 except for my minor quibbles with certain things, 21's a good <laughs> chapter. I, I like is. her pacing is good. Her structure is good. The tension and the action is really good. Um, it's, it's good plot, too. It's, it's good plot, good. yeah. It moves the whole story forward. My issue is mainly just the character. <laughs> so, like, as I've said, like, a thousand times, you guys are sick of me of saying this, but if these characters were original characters, I think the story would have fit more, so much better. Mm-hmm. So... All right, so chapter 22, we're doing really well on time, cool. Chapter 22, we've got Blaine in the ER having to call for Oh, actually, Pam, I'm going to stop you really quick. Are you getting ready? Oh. No, okay, never mind. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. I was just like, go ahead and do it if you needed to do something. Okay. Um, So chapter 22, we've got... Um, Blaine in the ER, and mm-hmm. he has to call Bert to tell him what happens. And ooh, I do not envy him that. because the Bert, the Bert, you, you know what? I agree because I was reading, like I, I've finished the the book, the fic, and um, you're right. Bert in this universe is not great. I that will straight up and say that it's not great. Um. Right. So Blaine goes in to see Kurt, who's just so bad, and Blaine has a hard time with it. And uh, Mike is actually the voice of logical reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what for in this first scene, though. He will later, because um, Kurt's going to later want to go and see Karofsky, and Mike's like, no. <laughs> like, that's like, right. no. That's not a good plan. Not um, a good idea there, buddy. Not a good idea. Oh, God. Okay, and then Blaine is struggling with the fact that had Karofsky been normal and not, like, grillicized, he would have killed him. And Blaine... Uh, I just... Oh, it's so... I don't want to rehash this because we've talked about it so much, but it's just so out of character for Blaine. Like, I just don't see it. it. See, and this is, like... Not to rehash what we said, but... And another point is that it keeps coming up. Like, 
if it was a one and done thing. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and it, it keeps coming up and it keeps taking you out of the story. Yeah. Like, if it was a thing, like, at one point, Blame is like, oh, I want to kill somebody. Okay. And you just move on. But the fact that it just keeps becoming a point because she's very repetitive like this, mm. it's frustrating and it does take me out. So, yeah. Um. So Kurt wakes up and he struggles with being in hospital and they have to convince him that he's just Kurt and in a hit and run. Mm-hmm. And um, Kurt insists that he needs to go see Karofsky. And mm-hmm. both Mike and Blaine are like, no, you're not going to do that. You're not in a condition. Um, but um, Karof- er, Kurt is insistent that he needs to see Karofsky to make sure that he's silent. And he's also right. like, slightly masochist in this universe. So, um <laughs> Uh, Slightly He Finn isn't around Finn is around and they get Finn to give him the Information even though Finn is With Mike and Blaine about how Messed up everything is And I mean like Kurt's got ribs broken and Kurt's Mm. got like just He can't really walk He's he's super weak And oh my god It's hard reading it a little bit Um and Blaine is able to get Kurt into his costume and they head out of the hospital on a time limit because they need to get back before anyone notices. More more the point before the nurses and doctors get back. Um, but on top of that, they have to do all of this before Karofsky is get taken away. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like the puck stuff in the beginning, too. She's very good at bringing things around again. Right. Um, so... It's Kurt's point of view. He, they're going to meet Karofsky and getting there is a struggle because he's not on any medication. Um, he's also, is he still afraid that he's going to like accidentally turn invisible at this point? Yeah. He hasn't done it in a while, but I, he, I feel like he mentioned like he hasn't like ghost or what, what does he call it? Phased. Yeah. Without trying in a while, but I think it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they, um, there's some in kind of like, uh, what do I call it? Kurt has to have Blaine with him the whole way. So he's drawing mm-hmm. on Blaine's strength. And they get into Karofsky. And mm-hmm. Karofsky goes on this major exposition dump of his life. About how he's felt like he has to hide from his life. And mm-hmm. how he doesn't want to talk about being gay. And how he's gone inward. And how... Um, you know, he's like the explanation of someone. Oh, I think that's Kurt that says this. The that there are people making supers, and um, no, maybe it was Krusky. It doesn't make you stronger; it just makes life more complicated. Right. Um. And this is again, this is the point in Prom Queen where Kurt's like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Like, right. I pity you. I think you're pathetic, and I pity you, and I right. don't. Even, you know, you could have lived a better life. Now, Krosky will go on and, and can and live a better life, but this Krosky is just a pathetic mess. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that really, this makes me uncomfortable. Krosky 
kind of does this hero worship stuff of Kurt. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you're so you're so wonderful that you did all of this, and you're amazing. And I should I never the person you are. And a little bit is of in you know like in heart when Krofsky comes back and he's like, Kurt, you're so amazing for turning your life around. I think I'm in love with you. Right. It's a little bit of this here, and he's like, you're so beautiful, and I'm like, oh, I, for some reason it just icks me out. Yeah, same. Hard, hard same. So I'm like, it just, I don't know. The whole thing is just awkward. And I'm glad Kurt can get to the point where he's like, you are a waste of my time and I don't need to be afraid of you. Because it is a a good moment where, you know, like you face your fears and you Mm -hmm. can shut it down and you're not afraid of the thing anymore. Um, At the same time, Karofsky's patheticness is just so uncomfortable. Right. Um, Yeah. And on top of that, they don't really get much about the making of the supers. I mean, part of it is also plot driven. They're trying to figure out who's making supers. And And it's it's something that's going to be explored later in Gray. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So um, they get back to the hospital, which is tedious and painful, and a metaphor of what it's like to deal with the Karofsky again. and Kurt is in an immense amount of pain when they get back, and he—I believe he passes out. He does. They get yes. the, co- the the costume off by the time Bert arrives, and Bert's like banging on the door and being <laughs> ridiculous. Bert. And Bert in this thing—I mean, Bert he would, in, yeah, I was gonna say he would be really upset in canon. I wouldn't doubt that, but this is—it's just ridiculous. Um, it's a little—it's a little overkill. Oh, and then the stuff that makes me uncomfortable, too, is that Kurt starts breaking down emotionally, and he just starts whimpering and crying, and I don't want my dad to see this, and just like a little kid. It it mm-hmm. takes him to about the age of 10, and I'm like, yeah, uh, Kurt's not going to do that just because his dad's around. I, uh, whatever, whatever. Kurt passes out, and we can move on with the plot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the end of season, season 22. Good Lord. The end of <laughs> chapter 22. Um, you know, Bert's full on angry and yelling at Blaine about like, letting him out and getting injured and all of this stuff. And Blaine is just freaking tired. Yeah. Like, he's at all of this emotional burden. And Bert's freaking a jackass about everything. Yeah, he's really a dick. That is one thing that I'm like, you know... Bert was very protective of Kurt, but he was also incredibly protective of the other boys. Like, he was very protective of Finn, mm-hmm. extremely protective of Blaine and Sam. Like, he wanted what was best for them. I cannot see him attacking Blaine like this. No. No, especially when Blaine's just about ready to, like, the, the chapter ends with Blaine, like, going home and sleeping. And he wants yeah. to say, but then he's like, I want to say to g- goodbye to Kurt, but Bert is guarding, like, a dragon with fire. And you're like, oh, God. Yeah, that also. He just, good. he just, uh, look what she just did with this thing, okay? So Bert is the dragon hovering over the sleeping princess that Blaine can't penetrate. Right. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's <sighs> that same thing again. Yeah, <laughs> it's just frustrating. I don't really even have anything else to add to it. It's no, we don't. It's just frustrating because there's such a good main story here mm-hmm. um, that these little these trimmings just get frustrating. And now that we're into chapter twenty two, I'm like twitchy. And not even that. It's like you could have. Oh, 
I don't want to get too much into this. In fact, I might have you cut this out. But you could have done something totally different with Blaine, with Bert to make him more accepting of Blaine, and it still would you still would have gotten the same results. Mm-hmm. It's just very frustrating that it has to be like, oh, you hurt my son, blah blah, dragon yeah. protecting the princess. Like it's it's it's. <sighs> it's also like we said, like it's so funny, and there's some stuff like that I eventually do want to talk about with Gray, when even though we're going to do it in a different medium, that. She hits the nail on the head with some of these issues having to do with men and women. Mm-hmm. And she does it very well. But there's a lot of misogyny in the mm-hmm. in male men and women's um, heteronormative um, relationships that make things complicated. It's also, dare I say, I don't want to say homophobic, but it is when you put these heteronormal already misogynistic heteronormative labels on a gay couple. Yeah. It it just, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe you can speak better to it since, No, I know exactly what you're saying. And I actually completely agree because it's, it's the same kind of thing as when, I mean, this is much more extreme, but it's like whenever people want to ask, well, who's the girl in your relationship? Who's the top? Who's the bottom? Like, it's it's very, like, well, first of all, it's none of your business. But second of all, nobody's the girl because we're both men. So when you put a female-coded, you know, um, not label, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a female-coded layer. person. <laughs> layer. Persona. Persona, there we go, that's the word I want. Onto a male character, it does feel a bit homophobic. But then you get into this area where you're like, well, it's not like he can't be like that, because he can, but you're taking you're taking a man and you're in you're taking a man in a man and man relationship and you're putting a female persona on him because that's the only way that quote unquote that's the only way that a straight person would be able to understand their relationship if they have this person is the girl this person is the boy okay Mm -hmm. i get it whereas it's so much more complicated than that and so much more detailed and it's it's as i hate that i'm going to say this but it's a gray area there's so many gray areas no i totally understand what you're saying and on top of it, when you add that layer onto it, you're you're still. I she does. You I know she's a feminist. Like all of her writings is very. She's pro women. A lot of the story is yes. pro women. But then she writes a scene like this, which upholds these misogynistic ideas that Kurt is some kind of princess being guarded by her father dragon mm-hmm. that Blaine can't you know do anything about and we'll have to fight mm-hmm. later. That's still misogyny. That's still yeah. like you're upholding these, you know, it's, and it's not commentary against it. She's just saying that this is, you know, what Blaine feels. And it's like frustrating because not only are you coding male or female, you're also overlaying the, the misogyny that's still there in that. Right. It, it's just, 
And I'm not saying, and also maybe as a final note, I'm not saying that, you know, you can't have problems in your fan fiction or you can't have problems in your regular fiction. People are human and are going to react the way they are. But when you're trying to, when this story is already so steeped in trying to break down, like, these are the problems in society, which it is. A lot Mm -hmm. of this is a mouthpiece for, you know, things that are going on in society. When she does something like this, it feels glaring. Yeah. Whether it's fair that we're ripping it apart or not, that's a whole other ethical issue. But <laughs> um, that's where we're at. That's, that's yeah. you know, it's so funny. And then, like, when I started this, I was like, I, I, there's not enough plot in this fic to focus on plot. There's just not. Mm-hmm. There's and not. So much of it is steeped on characterizations that that's why we get into these conversations because, um, all of the stuff that is, you know, it's it's a two-edged, it's a double-edged sword because all the stuff that's interesting is also tied into the stuff that is frustrating, Correct. and um, so it's not just about you know these superheroes being made and she bring like all you know brings back this from there, but it's also so tied into the characterizations and the way she presents the characters that it, you can't untangle it, which mm-hmm. I'm finding as we do this. So, so yeah, that's where we're at. <laughs> I don't know if people are still listening at this point or not. Um, or I hope so. I mean, if you if you disagree with us, I mean, kindly don't yell at us. But right, you but can let us know. Like, let us know. Yeah, you have a different take on it. That's cool. We're not above constructive criticism as long as it's criti- it's constructive. Yeah, exactly. Um, don't just tell us we're wrong on the internet. Have an argument presented. Right. Um. As you can hear, we both love to argue. We do. <laughs> so that's, yeah, but that's kind of where we're at. Um, we will be back eventually. Um, we're going to do soon, soon, hopefully. Um, we will be doing four chapters at a time to, to kind of wrap it up. We're going to do 23, 24, 25, and 26 in the next one. And then we'll do 27, 28, 29, then 30 in that one. And then we'll probably have a wrap up podcast about all the other ghosts. And we've reached yep. the end. Crazy. Crazy. Can't believe we've done almost this whole thick. So we did it though. We're getting there. We did We're it. Almost to the end. Awesome. All right. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add? I don't think so. No. Me neither. Okay, guys. So that's it. And we will see you next time. So have a great night. Bye. But now they're okay Only me or my You're the apple of my eye Girl, I never loved one like you Found you hiding here So won't you take my hand, darling There's nothing that can stop you From becoming popular Lar